As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeele. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnell. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday. I'm Dave DeFore, and that means it is Nerder. She wrote, Seth and Mo are here as always, although Seth is a different type of remote. He's in Palm Springs right now. What are you doing in Palm Springs, Seth? It is my daughter's spring break, so we are staying at a ridiculous house with a ridiculous pool, enjoying ridiculous sunshine, and it not the snow that we're having in the upper Midwest right now. So, Sorry, folks, but happy 414 Day, Milwaukee. See, this is why people like Mo don't leave California, man. No, no, I leave. I just ain't ever moving. If I do, it's going to be for a crap ton of money. Just understand that. If I'm living on the East Coast, I'm living on a a, a very well-lived salary, if that's the case, to get me out of the lovely sunshine we got here. Also joining us, three quarters of this show is in California, which, uh, you know, kind of a sign, I think. Uh, Ben Taylor, what's up? Thinking basketball out loud with us this week. What's hello. up, Ben? Hello, California. Um, hello, America. I'm happy to be here, and I'm I'm ready to overthink <laughs> things. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not overthinking basketball. Um, speaking of overthinking things. Yeah, speaking of, yes. Anyway, Guys, sorry. listen, the play-in rules and watching the Minnesota Timberwolves celebrate a play-in victory was awesome. Why is why is anybody overthinking this? Winning games is fun. We're so broken. Like how how like I, I'm a little bit uh, like JJ Redick went on a rant on this, so I might be echoing some of his. But this is, um, you know, we want we've talked a lot about on the show over the years about like making things matter and people caring and it, and it it the game being important because of the competition. And then, like, someone has a reaction that indicates that they and the fans and everyone genuinely cares, and they emote that. And then it's like, well, we want you to care, but not like that. Like, this is nonsense. Let's say I'm, I'm, it's two days later, and I'm as angry as I was in the immediate aftermath of the game. 
that the first reaction to, hey, that's pretty cool. Good for Pat Beverly. Like he he worked himself up into a fury about this and now there's a release. And anyone who's been an athlete at any level and had any success at all knows that feeling. And I am like angry and basically I'm offended that people would instead of, of being like – of wanting to be too cool about it instead of it's oh act like you're blah 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 so you didn't do anything it's like they won the damn game it was an exciting game the crowd was fired up the Timberwolves have never done anything it was the team that just traded Pat Beverly I, yes I go crazy folks I don't like what else do we want from sports that's that's the entire purpose of what we're doing here and for a genuine moment like that to happen and people to be like me look at how dumb they're being it's just like have some joy in your life yeah i mean pretty easy i mean let's just think about how exciting the people in sacramento are going to be if they ever break ever break their postseason streak right like you know just have fun that's at the end of the day just have fun i i just don't understand what people want no, they just hate people. I mean, just do you? Everything's not a business decision, and everything doesn't have to be a championship. People just I, like, like to hate. People just like to hate on things. That's it. That's really it. And we're hating on people for hating on things. So maybe that makes what, us just as bad. Ben? No, that's Popper's paradox of intolerance, and I'm I'm here for it. Um, Too many big words right there for me. I, <laughs> I, I got lost. But I look. The I thought it was a great moment, um, great moment for the Timberwolves, great moment for the fans, for the players, and it's a lot of fun. I, I in many ways, that's one of the best parts of sports is is the post game release, just the post game excitement. And most of the time, we only get it at the championship level, but sometimes we get it in conference finals. Sometimes you get it in different games, or in this case, it's a play in game that goes down to the wire. I think. The atmosphere with Denver San Antonio a couple years ago when they played on the final day of the season had kind of like a similar fervor to it. So my question at this point, as someone trying to enjoy this more, is genuinely like what percentage of people making this noise are, how big are they? And then are they just doing it to be contrarian? And, you know, how much oxygen should we give that going forward? Inside the NBA led with making fun of the Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. see, that's... Uh, it's inside the NBA. That's what they're, they, they, that they're, that's how they do. No, no but as far I mean, as, as far as the relationship with the league, I think that is a pretty big deal that like your broadcast partners are the ones leading the charge, even if it's slightly tongue in cheek or if it's a gag. I, I mean, I, I'm with Seth on that. I mean, they've been doing that for how long, right? Like if we're going to talk about them being league partners and this is a whole different conversation, they trash the game all the time. Right. Like all the time. So it's not a I, 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 a par for the course, in my opinion, with with that crew. But it's, it wasn't just them. It wasn't just them. It was across the board. But listen, we got better things to talk about. It was more fun. It's great. Good for the Wolves. The exciting stuff there. That's not going to be enough to bring me down. We got playoff basketball coming, folks. Single That's elimination right. NBA basketball is good. I'm going to go out on a limb and, and and make that statement. Yeah, um, I think this is this is um, it's useful to see this like right after the NCAA tournament. It's like oh the the passion and how much they care in a single limb format. Do that with NBA players and look at look at what we get. Like these are some yeah. It's pretty amazing when you have good players on the court. Just how compelling single elimination could be. Even a blowout, man. Like the Atlanta crowd, and and I mean they 
they beat the pants off the Hornets. But the Atlanta crowd was hot for the whole game, man. This this stuff matters. You give the game stakes, and it'll be compelling. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. What did you say to your old teammates at the end there when you were standing in front of the bench? Take their ass home. Long flight to LA, take y'all ass home. You know, it's it's deeper that for me. You understand? I gave my blood and sweat and tears to that organization. Uh, I mean, you guys know the story, especially you. Uh, Blood, sweat, and tears to just be written off like that. You know, uh, he's injury prone. He's old, this, this, that, that. To be able to come here, play them in a play-in, beat their ass. No other feeling. Speaking of stakes, let's talk playoffs, guys. We we got four series in the West to jump through, and we don't quite know the opponent for the Suns yet, but uh, I guess the first question is, does it matter if it's the Pelicans or the Clippers? Yes. I think the, the Pelicans will have a – will be – will – despite their best efforts and despite, you know, Willie Green's done a nice job as a coach. I think we've talked about that before. The Pelicans will be pretty happy to be there and the Clippers will be a pain in the ass. Like I don't – would the Clippers have a ton of equity to beat the Suns? No. But could they extend them to six? Yeah. I think that, you know, I think Pelicans has sweeper gentlemen sweep written all over it. Does that ultimately matter in the disposition of the playoffs? Yeah, probably not. But every extra game you have to play does give your does put you in a situation to have something bad happen. Um, I think we saw that last year. Was it the like the uh, the Sixers didn't finish off the Wizards, and then the one extra game was when Embiid like sprained his knee? No, it that... was it was in Game Four, okay. and then they beat him in Game Five without Embiid. Okay. But but your point taken. More more opportunities for disaster to strike, right? In in the more games you play, more possibility something goes wrong. I don't think it matters, and I, I get it with the the Clippers. They could be feisty and things like that. I don't think it matters. Clippers, Pelicans, the Suns are just too damn good, and now they're rested and going to come in there with with a week off. I, I don't think it makes a difference for them. I think they're just going to roll through. It's it's almost a boring series unless those other teams can make it interesting and they're fun and it's a good story. Suns are too damn good. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with Mo on this. Um, I actually I think the the Suns have an edge over both teams in a manner that I don't even know if I would size up the series if I would say the number of games would be different. You know, trying to predict it from either team. Um, five, six game series, whatever. You, sometimes that happens in the first round. You lose a close game or whatever, it turns into a six game series. But I, what New Orleans has put together in the last month or two, I know, Dave, you're you're a huge New Orleans watcher and Jose Alvarado. Now I yes. am. I missed them. Listen, I missed them until they were good, man. And I, that's why I was been late on the Herb Jones train, yeah. man. So, so just, that whole, just that whole dynamic of Herb at the point of attack, Jackson Hayes playing like small forwardish minutes, and then in a game or two, what if CJ or Brandon uh, Brandon Ingram have something going? I don't know how different that is from the feistiness of the Clippers. 
I, Alvarado, have you guys heard the nickname that people have started giving him? Is it is it related to a video game? It is. Yeah. Grand Theft Alvarado. Yeah. That's 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 yeah. so good. Yeah, it's pretty fitting. I mean, listen, I, I think that the Suns they they should win. Uh, even against the Clippers, they should win in five, right? Like they are a much better team than both teams. So let me just flip this question a little bit. What do you guys want to see from the Suns in a first round series? What what do you need to see that maybe you just want to have the point reinforced from this regular season? I mean, they were 64 and 18. They took care of business. We talked about this early on. They had their wins production happening, right? Like they just figured out we're going to win all these games. Let's do this. They did it without Chris Paul. They did it without Devin Booker. They did it without DeAndre Ayton. Now everybody's back and they're healthy. So what do you want to see from Phoenix uh, to, to sort of solidify their place in your mind as that real favorite in the West? I'm not sure if there's anything. I think barring like a, like a disaster or them just looking terrible and getting extended to six or seven, um, I'm not sure it'll change my thought for them, but I would like to – just in terms of like mileage, I think I would like to see them – able to navigate that series with you know within the system not asking a ton of of like extra load on chris paul and devin booker in terms of like shot making just you know yeah they'll they'll get theirs and they'll do their thing but you know we're we're breaking the defense down so mikhail bridges is getting his shots cam johnson's getting his shots deandre Aiden, so that everyone is kind of you know doing their thing and they're just kind of rolling as opposed to like needing to get carried by one of their their main shot creators. I'm, I'm going to zig a little and and just say health. That's pretty much it for me. Yeah. I just think seeing seeing them come through unscathed because uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the last time I looked at the data, they're just so good against non-top teams that I, I mean, I just, I don't know if I'm going to change how I feel about round two uh, based on what they do in round one because I'm assuming they're just going to you know, win comfortably and look the way they all, they, they're a machine. They, they just always play well. They give good effort. They execute really well. Their players play their roles. Um, that's kind of what I expect. I just want to see them continue to be them, which is extremely sharp, come out with a little bit of an edge and attitude, a little bit feisty with how they do things. I just want them to continue that trend to be the team we saw like that. I'm going to be honest. I just don't have much I'm looking for in terms of the Suns in this series. Like whoever they play, no offense to those teams. I don't think it's much of a matchup. Yeah, they're not in the same class. I mean, whether it's the Clippers or the Pelicans, they're clearly not in the same class. But Ben, I'm with you. I actually, part of the health thing that I want to see is to take care of business early. Don't let any of these games be close late. Like put them away as early as you can. Try to sneak the rest in in the first round while you can. And Seth is making a, a face right now that I'm assuming he's looking up a stat, but I, I can't quite tell. Seth, what, what's the stat? That oh, you've no, got I was here? just, I've just, I've been, I've been interested just, you know, since we're sort of talking about the Pelicans. Um, this is like Jack and the Beanstalk. No, it's, it's a the play- giant face when he's looking at yeah. him. Like, yeah, it was a very confusing yeah. face. There. No, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, a player who over the course of this season and frankly that's a, over the, over the, over a series if they are able to make it through the clippers who's who's changed my opinion of him a little bit for the better CJ McCollum um yep. and I, um now you don't want to go too far in terms of he's had a re- like probably the best half season of his career 
has been, you know, with with New Orleans, and you don't want to go too crazy about that. But maybe he had a little bit more kind of latent ability than he could show with Phoenix or with, with Portland. Um, and and you know, see him having a good series against a top team, which is frankly something that hasn't happened a ton in his playoff career. I think would solidify that sort of newfound admiration for his his game and 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 sort of place in the league hierarchy. I mean, he fits what they do there so well. I mean, you saw in the in the game the other night. I mean, transition threes for him with, with that team and the way they get out and run. I mean. He walking into open shots is a good thing for CJ McCollum. I mean, he just makes everybody's life easier and he's really done a great job stepping into the leadership role there. Like that's the big thing he's come in and he's become the adult in the room. And that's, that's the most important thing for the Pelicans to have right now, especially going into the playoffs when most of these dudes don't have a ton of playoff experience. Yeah. Uh, Anything else on uh, Clippers, Pelicans or Suns in the first round? Nope. No, no. Let's, let's let's get to the good stuff. Listen, All right. <laughs> listen, we're bullshitting. We're wasting our time with this series. Come on, there's a lot better stuff here. Let's go. Let's get to the good stuff. Come on, let's help the listeners okay, out. Okay. Well, after this ad break, we will stop the bullshitting and we will get to the Nerder series, which is going to be Memphis and Minnesota. We we probably saw this coming before anybody. I'm going to take all the credit for this series happening. We'll be back after the break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. How do I sound now? Sound okay? Is that a bit emoji? <laughs> What's going on? How you doing? It's a scary, scary times, man. Okay, Memphis, Minnesota, the two versus the seven. We saw Minnesota Timberwolves, who we talked about, had a huge win. Great celebration. Um... I'm a little bit worried by how they won the game. Carl Anthony Towns was not good. He was pressing, which, listen, I, I can understand being in that situation and feeling like you, you need to do more. But it seems like if he had just done less and been himself, they might have had an easier time winning that game. Am, am I crazy here, guys? Uh, he was out of control. Like, his whole mentality for this game was was really odd and to the point where it was it hurt the Clippers when he fouled out the Clippers needed him to stay on the floor you know they were able to kind of take advantage of all those things I think he got flustered when they they trapped him on the first or second touch of the game that he had and from there it was super aggressive and it got in his own head and from there it just sort of unraveled I'm not gonna freak out too much though it was really one bad game in a weird situation, playing game. Like, he's done pretty well against Memphis. So I think this is kind of a good matchup for him. I, I'm i not too concerned about him in, in that sense. I mean, it was just a, all right, you got that out of your system, dude. Now let's play basketball. What did you think, Ben? Um, I mean, his. I think his mentality has always been the big thing sort of with him and superstardom. And, you know, you see it with uh, – 
complaining about calls or just things like that. But I, I think Mo's right here in that he's he's got a pretty good matchup for him, all things being equal. And we'll see, you know, how many minutes Steven Adams ends up playing. I think it's a little trickier once you get into a playoff series and the opposing coach and coaching staff says like, okay, we're just going to spring Jaron on you. And, you know, we're going to game plan and it's going to start with Jaron and then we're going to use all our athletes behind. And um, Towns is a phenomenal offensive player. But to your point, to the point of this topic that you brought up, Dave, if that kind of stuff disrupts him and throws him off his keel, what does that do to the Minnesota offense? Um, these teams played a bunch early in the year. I think they played like twice. They played twice in November. And then the last time they played is in February. So a good amount has sort of, I think, crystallized over on the Memphis side, but even in Minnesota as well. You know, they've had an incredible second half push. So I think it's going to be an exciting series. I I don't know how you guys are feeling. I'm not in the camp of like, oh, look out. The T-Wolves the are this incredibly dangerous matchup for them. Oh, yeah, not at all. I mean, Seth, listen, I mean, we might be doing to Minnesota um, a a less condescending version of what we did to Denver for a while. Like, they're not as good, but we're going to pat them on the head for getting there. Chris Finch has done a great job coaching this team up, I think. Patrick Beverly was a really good addition, and I know we were all worried about, you know, what would it do to the vibes, but the vibes seem to be pretty good. I mean, when you have Anthony Edwards, uh, that's pretty big boon. So, Seth, uh, there's no re- – I mean, Memphis shouldn't be worried about this team, but Minnesota's not bad. This is not not bad, but Memphis um, just – yeah, I think that Memphis should just out-talent them. For, for no other reason, I think, and, and I wonder if I wonder if, if if Minnesota has enough consistent shooting to to really threaten Memphis's defense enough. Um, I think I you know I, I do think I agree with Ben that sort of the 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 obvious like oh things aren't going quite right okay Jaron do your thing defensively I think is is a uh, I think a, a a card that Minnesota would struggle to respond to. I think you know Memphis puts a smaller lineup out there. You wonder where the place is in the series for you know a guy like Jared Vanderbilt, a guy like Jaden McD, like people who've been important for the Timberwolves, and then that's putting more pressure on you know Malik Beasley and, and D'Angelo Russell defensively, um, and you know and obviously spreading Carl Anthony Towns out more and putting him in space, which is also a you know a, a good a good goal for an offense. So I, I do think that. That I think Memphis is going to want to stay in their base set just as much as possible. Just again to you know you don't want to you don't want Jaron to be playing 35 minutes a game at center in the first round. They, so they'll want to get as much out of Adams as they can. But I think that if there's at the first sort of sign of danger, I think we'll like nope. Okay, it's time for time to play for real. I think we're doing a disservice a little bit to Minnesota here, guys, in how we're talking about them. Honestly, like listen. Love what Memphis has done. This is a, I, I would have rather seen them play the Clippers because I'd like to see them go against a more playoff tested crew. But Minnesota's not a problem. It, it has problems for them. One, on the perimeter, it's not like the Grizzlies are that great defensively. Like we're just talking about it like it's just that easy for them. When J- Jaw's not a good defender, 
He's just not. And they were able to target him in that game in February, which I, I, I for whatever reason, seared into my head. Some ra- This is the problem when you watch as much basketball as we do. S- random games are there. D'Angelo Russell went off in the fourth quarter of that game, scoring, I think it was like 23 points or something like that. Like he went it was ridiculous in the fourth quarter there. And it's because they were not able to come up with the stops down the stretch. And that's something on the perimeter. Jaron Jackson's good. They don't have to put him in picks, right? They don't have to be bring bring whoever Jaron Jackson's guarding, have him come set the screen. They can find other ways to go. It's D'Angelo Russell can get high. I hear you, Seth. The consistent shooting is my concern too. But I think we're sleeping a little bit on Memphis on, on Minnesota. I think Memphis wins the series, and it may not even be a go long, but I think it's gonna be close games. I don't think they're gonna be blowouts. I think it's gonna be tight. I, I love your point about job because that's what they're going to do. They're going to go after job, but I, I Ben Memphis doesn't have a dude that can just go guard that guy, you know, to steal a line from Seth. They don't have that guy. I mean, Dylan Brooks is kind of the closest to it. Is Dylan I, Brooks going to be able to, to guard that guy for Minnesota? I, I disagree a little. I think Melton in, in this situation would be a guy who can, you know, step into that role more. Um, I, I buy everything Mo's saying, you know, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm disparaging the the competitiveness of the series or the fact that Minnesota's turned into a, a pretty good team throughout the season. Um, I've said this before. I, for whatever reason, physical, physical skills, um, probably being the first and foremost, I just think maybe the coaching staff as well. I just trust jaw and whatever scheme they have around point of attack defense, not to be a disaster in the postseason. And then so you look at the flip side, I think for the Wolves, it's really Anthony Edwards realizing, and, and he had a little of this in the game the other night, like no one can stay in front of me. I, I have yeah, ins- that was amazing. I have insane burst um, and I am a godlike wing athlete in basketball. And that's something that probably will follow him as we track his growth next season and as he sort of enters his prime. But do they have an answer for a guy like that? Is it a team scheme? I don't know. I think Mo's making good points about the fact that these games do have sort of X's and O's counters that can make them competitive. Interestingly, uh, Seth, you mentioned Vanderbilt earlier. My biggest question in the series is kind of like, what do they do defensively at point of attack? Who do they stick on jaw? Do you keep Vanderbilt in that role off ball is, is, um, Russell, when he's his best defensively, he can kind of communicate and sit back in the paint. Like how, do, how does the, how does the point of attack defense on both sides kind of look? And I think that probably dictates how dangerous or competitive the series is. Oh, so this is where I see Memphis's advantage is I think you're right that there's point of attack questions for both teams. Um, I think like D'Angelo Russell's a singles and doubles hitter and John Morant's a home run hitter. So the mistakes get punished more, um, you know. Like there, there will be games, and most right that he like like Russell went off in that game. But but Russell is not going to be a guy who's going to create a, a volume of easy shots for himself or his team. He's he is a good difficult shot maker. If if Morant is, gets his way, that's going to be open threes and layups, and or or kind of Kobe assist offensive rebounds. So I think that's that's sort of the the level of success that each offense will have against the opponent's weakness, I think, is just, you know, it's a, a 
you know, maybe it's a fraction of a point every possession, but it's a point, a fraction of a point every possession in Memphis's favor. Patrick Beverly on John Morant to start the game. I mean, do you feel like that's that's probably what we're going to see? I yeah, feel I mean, like we're going to see a lot of Dylan Brooks and, and Patrick Beverly in foul trouble in this series. This is going to be amazing. Oh, it's just going to be the two of them fighting the whole time. Like I, I it's going to look like a cartoon, like over, with a yeah. couple of cats. Yeah, just yeah. that thing. Just you know, a random limb so, here, a random actually, leg this, there. This is the question I wanted to ask. Over under one point five double techs on exactly those that that pairing. Over, 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 That's over one point five in one game. No, <laughs> like no, like what are we like over okay. <laughs> for the series? Well over. That's too low. No, you got to go two point no, five. But double tech specifically on Morant oh, and Brant. Yes. In yeah. okay, no, the too low. <laughs> two and a half. Put the number there. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna kick Pat Beverly out of this series before it's over. They're, they're um, gonna, okay. they're gonna it, Dave. They're gonna start with Beverly on him, and he's gonna slap the floor, and then and then he's gonna have to stay in front of John Morant. That's that's kind of where I'm at. Which which nobody's gonna been able cooked. to do. Yeah. Nobody's been able to do this. Season. Impossible. Yeah, he's going to get absolutely cooked. Uh, anything else on this series? We, I think we all kind of feel like it's going Memphis's way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Big, big, um, a big, a big uh, to reiterate, big kind of possible coming out party for Jared Jackson. This whole year, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a crowded. lap. It's the party's crowded. been the part. The, the party's be been set yeah. for a long time. Can we get Jackson the coming Island. out party? That's We've right. been waiting. We've been sitting in the surprise room for a long time. Can he? Can he show up now? <laughs> What's going on? Like, how many desserts did he order at dinner? Like, what the hell? Is this thing on? One, two, my shake, one, two. All right. <clears throat> what up, boy? What up, man? <laughs> okay, let, let's move on to uh, another series uh, featuring a point guard uh, who coming back from injury after quite an absence. Golden State Warriors three seed against the six seed Denver Nuggets. And Steph Curry says on Draymond Green's podcast this week that he's available for game one. He's going to be there, guys. Uh, He's healthy. Ben, you saw the practice footage. Are you buying it? I like how you set that up. Like I was in oh, the bay set it up. at like, practice. You're the one. Like, he really did. I was, like, I was like, I was like, wait yes. a minute. Did, I have did, access did, to this. I'm assuming it was on social media. It's into yeah, the yeah. high no, it's in, camera. Yes. Like what's? It's in the archives, Dave. I have special access to the archives now, and I got to tell you, it's in I, I've looked at it, and you know, Steph Curry has never looked better. Um, he's <laughs> he gained 20 pounds of muscle. He's lost body fat percentage. No, he he looked good. He looked good. What we talked about right before recording, and, and Mo had this point is that you can you can look good in the way you run through stuff in walkthroughs and practice and all that. Uh, I know Mo's upset because hey, I dickhead. took his point. Uh, this is the whole like I stole the point. Mm. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. Shall I continue? No. Please. Oh, please. No, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, anyway, where was I? So you you don't necessarily have that translate to the game because once the game starts, Mo, how'd you put it? It's different once the game starts. Well, no, like when you're playing and practice in the five on five scrimmage, your teammates know you're hurt. They know, hey, like, yo, I'm we're gonna they're not gonna take it easy, but they're also not gonna go extremely hard. Okay, now you're going against uh 
I totally blanked on who they're playing all they're of a sudden. Playing the Nuggets. The nuggets. Yeah, sorry, totally blank. Now you're going up against pat, the Nuggets. Pat Mo on the head you, and say, good think, job. You think Austin Rivers is going to care? Right? Like the guys that he's playing against, like the opposing team, it's a different level. And that's why we always talk about like you can't simulate an NBA game. And that's sort of the the thing there. So he can look great in practice. He can look phenomenal in practice. And how many times do we hear that shit all year about guys? And then they come out and it's like, oh, okay, well, they're okay. You know, so there'll be a lot of questions because he missed a lot of time. And it's a leg injury. Like there's it's gonna take a minute. So I think this is a, it's actually a bigger issue than I than I think people really are understanding it. I've got a question for you, Mo. Did you see Zion throwing down those windmills? Yeah, can he wear the uniform once <laughs> and do it in a game? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's exactly. All that. Yeah. No, and, and, and I mean, really, what it is is like in a practice setting, you can sort of plan your movements, and so if there's any lingering kind of impingement, you can you can sort of self organize around it. Whereas in a game, it's kind of like, oh, I got to move this way. Oh, that hurt a little. I'm, I'm a little slower. Is is maybe where you might see a little. A loss of effectiveness. I don't even think we have to get this technical about it. I, Dave, you and I talked about this on Thinking Basketball Pod the other day. Curry has a history of coming back from injuries in the playoffs, and he's a rhythm guy. He's a he's a kind of with all that movement and flow. That's what I'm looking for. So I don't know if he's. I don't expect him to have that in game one. What I'm kind of looking for for him is: does he have it in game four? Does he have it in two weeks? You know, that's the rhythm that he's got to get into for me to feel comfortable with Golden State being the Golden State that we've seen them when, the, when they're at their best. What if he's not 100%? I mean, Golden State should still win this series, right? Like, they, they've got the talent advantage. It's, it's basically Jokic is the best player in the series, and then, I don't know, five Warriors? But is like, that about right? I, I, I don't know if they I do. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what do we expect of Jordan Poole? Remember, Jordan Poole like vanished in the plan. He had a good season last year and vanished in the playing game last year down the stretch. Remember, they, they they basically were like staring, waiting for Steph to do something down the stretch of that that game. Um, and so, is it is what does Clay Thompson have at this point in a in a playoff setting against a, a, a well schemed team? Um, so you just like where do they get buckets basically if Curry isn't in 90, 95% of himself or higher. I think that's a legitimate question. And then you're playing against a guy who's on the very short list of best players in the world. And, you know, if anyone can, if anyone can talk about how, uh, you know, the, the chance that, that uh, Jokic has of some kind of cementing his historical legacy in this kind of situation, I think Ben is someone who uh, has, uh, has had things to say about in the past. And I've definitely, I've come around much more to your viewpoint on it, Ben. Um, and so it's, I think it's, you know, whether Curry plays or not, Denver has the best player in the series. And if Curry doesn't play or is limited, they have massively the best player in the series. And that has to be taken into account. Yeah, I, I buy that. I mean, I think when you have a, a player like Jokic, you always have that puncher's chance. But I think Dave's point, whether we can pick, Nick's, pick nits with it, um, you know, where does Aaron, where does someone like Aaron Gordon fall, something like that. I think his point is more about Denver is going to have, um, let's stick with the term talent gap, whatever we want to call it. So th- sure. therefore, what we're really looking for here is who's going, is it Monty Morris? Like, is it Austin Rivers having a great defensive series and hitting threes? They're going to need 
two or three of those players probably to pull it off. And I don't think it's impossible. I don't want to be dismissive of them doing it, especially if Curry, because I think you have the Curry thing with Golden State, but I, I think you also kind of have the Clay Thompson elephant in the room that we talked about the other day, Dave. So yeah. it's it's an interesting series. I have I have the the uh, the hashtag Bones game uh, in in my drafts on Twitter, just ready for him to 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 have have a moment in one of these games. So if we're looking for a guy in Denver who can who might swing a game, uh, this is this is a Bones Highland friendly podcast, and I just want to stake out that position. But this has been my problem with the Warriors roster all year, right? Is I've never, I do not believe in a lot of the supporting cast guys. Like Poole's been really good, especially down the stretch. Let's see what he does in the playoffs now that the light gets a little bit brighter there. Clay Thompson, it's very up and down, right? Like he can drop 30 in a second. We're like, oh, Clay's back. And then the next game, we're like, damn, Clay's not back. It's been very uh, up and down in that run there. And then you're counting on guys like Otto Porter Jr., right? It's like, okay. You know, this is this is the, the the people we're hoping for. Andrew Wiggins, who disappeared after K-pop got him into the All-Star game. Like you have a lot of like different, you know, it's it's I'm very curious to see that. And for some of these dudes, first run in the playoffs. And then what happens when you got to start playing Nemanja Belalitsa? You know, listen, I love that Draymond's back. I know that he's going to be challenging defensively for Jokic and things like that. But just the thing that Jokic is able to do is honestly amazing in the sense of he elevates these guys to another level and so if you're the Warriors are you going to go send a double I don't think they're going to I think they're going to say hey we're going to live with Jokic scoring 40 something a night but as long as he's only getting four or five assists we're fine but can they deal with that and I think that's really the issue there and that's going to be a problem for them and I think when they come to start doubling then he's going to start finding guys I, I think this is a really tougher series than people are are, are giving it credit to just because the Warriors have gotten a ton more vibes national TV-wise and stuff, but it's not like I think that roster is amazing when they're supporting cast. See, I, I still think the idea of the Warriors when they're all clicking is top-notch. And so there's a little bit of, I'm reminded of like a 2010 Celtics vibe where we're talking about their offense and all these other, who's going to step up and this and that. But if their defense comes back to that level that it was at and you get... 15 minutes of Andre Iguodala. I actually like Otto Porter in that bench role in the playoffs. Looney does his thing with Jokic for 15 or 20 minutes or whatever it is. Draymond Green is playing at his best. Gary Payton Jr. Gary Payton the second comes in and does his stuff. Like that's what I'm kind of looking for for an easier series from the Warriors. I think if that's not there, then all the stuff we've been talking about is is going to be much more prevalent. It's going to be way more competitive. But that's kind of the angle I'm taking. If you guys remember the 2010 Celtics, they were an historic defense with Garnett before he got injured, and they were kind of slept on, and you had those same questions of, like, where is this team? And the playoffs started, and their defense in Game 1 against the Heat was just on another planet, and they took that to Game 7 of the Finals. The big, the big difference in that? Is that no Kevin Garnett? That team, well, <laughs> obviously, but the big, the, 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 the real difference there is that that team had been together for a long time had won a championship together this is a lot of new parts pool porter um looney's been there he's he understands the the assignment obviously draymond clay and kerr uh, uh and 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 curry excuse me i completely forgot about the best part um i've all had that run but there's Andy Gudala, but still a lot of the guys they're depending on haven't had that and haven't been in the limelight and haven't been in this tight of uh, bright of a, a, a light. So it's, it's a bit more challenging. And this is a Denver team. A lot of these guys were here last year 
and had to fight through all this same stuff. And they just know how to win. So there's there's some of it too. They just got to make it ugly. I think Will Barton is going to be really important for Denver, um, his playmaking, because like you said, Mo, I don't know that the Warriors are going to send the double on Jokic very much. And so I think it's going to be another guy that's going to have to pick up the playmaking slack. The Nuggets can win this series, right? I think so. Even, Even if Curry's healthy, I think because of Jokic and if one other guy steps up, they can totally win it. If Curry was, I'm, I'm not. If Curry was healthy, I think the Warriors win it. I think I have a lot of questions about Curry's health, in that he hasn't played since end of March, and I think that's a, just all right. Now just go right into a playoff game and roll. Good luck. And I, I, I I'm skeptical of that, and I think that's something there. And I think it's going to take a few games, and if it takes a few games to get him rolling, as Ben was saying, him being a rhythm player, it's a problem for the Warriors. I've got, I've got another sort of problem area for the Warriors. And it's something I don't think necessarily I think we were more worried about it with a matchup with Phoenix, but who aside from Looney guards Jokic? It just do we like You mean the team that had eight centers on its roster when it was breaking basketball with a small ball doesn't have another big in a league dominated by bigs now? Yeah. And that's like that, that like Looney, like this is, this has Looney foul trouble written all over it. And then do you put like, then we are, your options are like Kuminga or Bielitsa or Draymond. And none of those are particularly palatable. I think it probably ends up being Draymond a lot. I think that's asking a whole lot of him at this point. And honestly, like having him be like, UK go chase Jokic around takes away a lot of what makes him best as a defender for the Warriors system. So I do, I I, I worry about yeah. You know. I mean, because it's going to be Bielitsa at some point, and that's going to be a disaster. Um, I think I would probably, given their options, I, I might lean Kuminga. At least you'll have like the speed advantage, and it's not like he's a pushover. I mean, Jokic pushes over everybody, but Kuminga can stand up. A little bit of that, right, guys? I, I think Draymond missed all of the Nuggets games this so. season. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So obviously he can do it for some stretches. I wouldn't be surprised if you see Otto Porter Jr. on him for stretches if they're out of you know if they want to stay small or something like that. But I think Seth's point sound, which is that Jokic is going to be able to kind of grind down, and it's it's hard to imagine Looney playing like he doesn't do it anyway, but playing like over thirty minutes in any of these games. But I, I, I do think Draymond, I do think it comes back to Draymond. Like if Draymond's healthy, the defense is clicking, you get your good Iguodala minutes. You, you got to contain Jokic as a team. I mean, just this idea that you're going to really single-handedly bother the way he he creates advantages and attacks on offense. Um, I still haven't seen it happen. So, but that, and that's, um, but that's yeah, my, that's, that's my question again is like, UK, if Dray, but Draymond picks him up and their defense is clicking, but if they need Draymond to like be the guy who can stand Jokic up and not just let him kind of meander towards the basket and drop in little hook shots, like he's going to be able to do over Bielitsa, over Porter, over Kaminga, maybe even over Looney, then Draymond isn't running around, isn't switching, is, is doing, they're, they're, they're spending Draymond's ability on keeping, you know, keeping Jokic from just like dropping the ball in the basket every time. So I just wonder how much that like needing to use Draymond in that role as much as they're going to is going to sort of 
counterbalance the the idea of their defense overall clicking. Anything else on this series, guys? Um, it feels like we're all kind of leaning Warriors, but we see the path for the Nuggets. Does that feel about right? I'm going on a limit saying Denver wins the series. Seven games? Seven-game series. I'm going Denver. Uh, I just think the Curry injury is a lot to overcome. You know, Ben, you keep bringing up Iguodala. He's played 31 games this season. Like, there's a, there's, you know, he's – it's dust doesn't even come off anymore. He's rested. When he moves. He's, he <laughs> he's is rested. dust. You know, it, sure, <laughs> you know, but like it's, He's made it's, out of dust it's, at this it's, point. It's, I mean, it's it's we're at that point. Like, if you're really, if we're depending on heavy minutes from Iguodala, the Warriors are in trouble. I'm just going out on a limb, no problem. Looking stupid in a few weeks. I'm gonna it's just not say that, it's gonna, not like gonna, it's gonna a go Denver skinny wins limb, the series. Yeah, knowing yeah. what knowing what we know today about Steph, which is not much, I would. I would have to pick Denver right now. Wow. Like, this, like now, I, 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 I reserve the right to completely flip my opinion about six minutes into game one. If, okay, no, Steph, Steph's good. Steph's good. All right, that's, that changes things. But know it, like, with that giant risk factor for the Warriors in play, like, I, I have to say, as of right now, I think I lean Denver. I like wow, it. Wow, I did not expect that. I I can see well, I can see Denver winning, but I can also I wouldn't be surprised at all by the Warriors walking through them. And I think those outcomes are probably more likely. Um but I mean, hey, D- Dave, are you going to complete the trio and just also pick Denver? <laughs> I mean, I did not see no. this coming. <laughs> no. I, I think it's going to be the Warriors um and, and but I'm I'm the same way. If if Steph isn't right, and if Clay doesn't play like Clay, uh, yeah, then Jokic will will win the series. I mean, if the games are tight, man, the Nuggets should win. I mean, they have the most clutch player in the league to me. There's nobody I'd rather have the basketball than Nikola Jokic from a decision-making standpoint, from a just being able to get you a bucket at any time, and especially against a team that, frankly, just isn't going to be big enough to give him any trouble around the basket. Because for as good as Looney has done guarding Jokic, not actually stopping him, it's just like, oh, he doesn't get completely you know, dog-walked by Jokic, so good job. But still, you... Jokic does pretty well against Looney. It's not like he's Looney's no Jokic stopper. So yeah, I mean, if this game, it, it's going to have to be about Steph Curry turning it up a notch, and then their defense on the other end. Can they bother him without sending the double? Because if they do double team, he's going to make them pay. So I, I think that the Nuggets can win, but if if Steph is healthy, I mean, Warriors win it in six, right? Yes, I'll take that as a yes. Okay, well, after this break, we're going to talk about what is now one of the wilder series because we don't know if Luka's going to be healthy. We're going to talk about Jazz Mavs right after this. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. 
If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm Larry Sanders. I'm a person. I'm a father. I'm an artist. I'm a writer. I'm a painter. I'm a musician. And sometimes I play basketball. Okay, the 4 5 matchup uh, was set kind of late. And Dallas is going to get Utah, which feels like a favorable matchup for them. And they've actually played them pretty well recently, even post-trade deadline. A couple of the games without Rudy Gobert out there. But Luka Doncic gets hurt in the third quarter, uh, at the end of the third quarter, of a game that, listen, Dallas needed the game. They were about to have a week off. I'm not going to knock the decision to have him out there playing basketball. Plus, it's Luka Doncic. And if he wants to play, he's playing. Um we don't know his status yet for game one or game two. Just came out that. Uh, Can't hear you, Seth. You're, you're muted. Just came out that uh, he's going to miss game one. Okay. And that's not surprising, right? It is a calf strain. And, and Tim Cato actually did a really great job. Talked to uh, to Jeff Stotts, the in-street close on Twitter about the calf injury and um, kind of fills out a lot of the details there. You can see that over at The Athletic. Ben, Luka is the guy. I mean, that's the guy for Dallas. He's a top five or whatever play. I don't know what you're, where you've got him on your tiers, but he is a guy who could be the best player in every single series they play in. And if they don't have him, how do they win? Dave, you don't know that the Mavs are better when Luka sits on the bench. You roll out Jalen Brunson, you roll out Spencer Dinwiddie, they do their thing. Um, that's that would be the way they win. Now, whether that's viable against Utah, you know, we were talking right before recording about all of the narratives swirling around Utah. And if they were to fall behind that team without Luca, you know, does the does the house completely crumble? Kind of what does that do to them psychologically or from a relationship standpoint, given all the stuff that's gone on there? I, I don't know, but Dallas Dallas is good without Luca. They're obviously not good enough to be particularly dangerous in the West without him. So the question is, how do they handle the first game or two when he doesn't play? 
What does he look like when he comes back? Because as we've seen in the playoffs before, he's going to come back before he's completely ready to come back. Um, and then you go from there. But you you said it at the top, Dallas, especially in the last month or two of the season, they've met up a couple of times, I think has played Utah very well. And they actually flipped in the standings. It used to be Utah that was ahead of them in the standings and Dallas almost climbed all the way to third. So now they have home court in the series. Um, and I would think if Luca's there, they're probably the favorites, but it's it's Utah's weird. Utah's weird because if they ignite and catch fire, you know, you can easily lose a series to them. I'd say this is a this is a part of why this is a good matchup for Dallas is this is a good Brunson and Dinwiddie opponent. Like this is like Utah's not a a, uh, a team that is going to swarm him with form Brunson with rangy size the way that say the Clippers did that that you know made it tough to have him on the floor in that series last year so he's going to be able to to do his stuff um you know they they don't have a lot of they the point of attack defense is questionable so Dinwiddie is going to have some chances to get into the lane and and make plays for people so I think that of their possible opponents um this is the one where their other creators have more of a, a chance to do something than against basically any other Western playoff team. So that mitigates the, the, the Luca's absence, certainly. And, and Mo, one of the things that I think has been great for Dallas since Dinwiddie's gotten there, he's looked more healthy is that when he gets a big on a switch, he's looking to attack and get to the basket. And he's actually creating other looks for other folks. Well, with Gobert and Whiteside, I mean, those are those are two guys that they would love to attack, and especially Gobert if they can get him in foul trouble. He's so important for them rebounding. Th- that's a key to the game, I think, is to get that Dinwiddie getting getting Gobert on an island, even Brunson to a certain degree, but really Dinwiddie with his size, I think he does a really good job there, Mo. Yeah, no, it's it's exactly what the game plan is going to be, right? Like, let's attack the bigs and keep going there, and then. From there, attack the wings off the the closeouts and the kickouts and the opportunities that are created from the from that initial attack. And that's one area where Gobert just hasn't really done a great job this season against, in particular, the maps. Right, like we've seen it. Like Dorian Finney-Smith looked like a star in their last game because he just kept cooking Gobert, and I think that's part of it. And then you know, the the big thing though is, I just don't see a way Dallas wins the series without Luca. Like, I'm sorry, like just that whole that's such a big loss for them, even with Dinwiddie cooking, even with Jalen Brunson, you know, this being a good series for those guys, because I agree with you, Seth. But it also goes a long way when those are your second uh, ball handlers and not your primary ones. Right. Like Luca's able to create so much more havoc with what he can do. And then, you know, just being able to make some of the tough shots and, and some of his passing and making sure that he's able to make passes that Dinwiddie and Brunson cannot. Right. And they're funky looking over the head. weird. like, how the hell did you do this type passes? But he's capable of doing that. That, that That's an element they're not going to get be able to have. But I'll say this. Utah has been handed in a, a massive gift because going into this series, I was like, yo, they're going to get cooked. This is going to be a short series. I think Dallas is going to move on pretty easily. But now without Luca, like for the Jazz, it's almost like a little more pressure, like the way you know, Ben was talking about what we were saying before. It's like, you can't go down in this series against them. 
You have to win game one, and I'm just going to guess he's probably going to miss game two. You have to win game one now if you're the Utah Jazz. This is your opportunity with no Luka. Well, what happens, Ben, if Dallas wins game one without Luka? What, how does Utah counter? I, I mean, from an X's and O's standpoint, I'd have to see the game, of course. But what, what we were bouncing around before is just the what would lead to that? The, the psychological frailty, almost. Um, if anybody hasn't been tracking this team, they've blown a number of enormous fourth quarter leads in the last uh, just off the top of my head, like six weeks. And that creates this level of uncertainty where they are not a great defense anymore, not because of Gobert, but because of the guys around Gobert. They didn't they didn't address that need in the offseason to improve point of attack defense or create defensive versatility with other big men in their lineups. So they're kind of stuck in that position in the playoffs. The schematic part of the matchup that I think doesn't see, serve well for them at all, whether Luke is in there or not, is Dallas is great at making the extra pass once they get broken down. You know, once that first defender, first attacker touches the paint and kicks it and the defense is in rotation, they're fantastic at just moving it, taking a couple extra dribbles. Dave, you and I the other day were talking about Josh Green um, is even really good. Like, they're just whole roster. Dorian Finney-Smith, Kleba, um, when Brunson and Dinwiddie, one of those guys is going to be in the receiving end of the chain. So I don't know what the game is going to look like from an X's and O's standpoint, right? But the question becomes, um, what's the psychological state of the Jets? Do they have other options to go to offensively if they were to drop game one without Luka? All right. I, let me let me adjust this question a little bit. How, what does a Mavs victory look like, Seth? Like, how do they win it? Because Rock fight. I mean, Gobert... There you go. So it's going to have to be Dwight Powell. It's going to, I mean, Maxie is going to have to make shots because they need his defense, actually. And I think Utah is going to leave him open. It's This could be Maxie Kleba could be the Terrence man of this series. Well, the other, I mean, the other part is it, that I'm thinking is like Dallas's defense has been pretty good this year and like Luka has been better defensively this year, but they're probably going to be. Uh, in, in a lot of lineups, they're going to be a better defensive team out there than they would have been. And, you know, Utah closed the season not super awesome offensively. You wonder where they're going to go to to trade offense. If it's just going to be, is it going to be, and, you know, Ben and I have talked about this at length, is it going to be going straight to Mitchell Hearball every time down the floor? Or are, are, is, is Utah going to be able to get to their blender? And I don't think, I, I think there's a real chance they might not be able to. So this could be just a – the games Luka misses, this could be a really homely series. And I think that I think that Dallas is probably more comfortable in that style of game than Utah is. Well, let's talk Donovan Mitchell uh, briefly here, Mo. Um, down the stretch, he has this ankle injury, and it clearly was affecting him. And late in games, it was affecting him. It seemed like as the game got worse – he got a little bit worse on, on that ankle. Turnovers going up big time in crunch time for him down the stretch it was a big part of the reason why they were losing so many games. I mean, is, just, is that a problem for you? Yeah, I mean, look, it's the same <laughs> issue that they had last year in the playoffs with Donovan Mitchell's health. Remember, he missed the first game of the playoffs because of that. And just, you know, it, it, it was a problem in the Clipper series, and he wasn't healthy there as well. And obviously, right, like, the way he's playing and, and the turnovers going up, crunch time and things like that. He tends to get into hero ball a little bit too much. 
and it, it, the ball sticks and it becomes a problem for him. And, and you end up really kind of struggling with, with that. It, he's so important in terms of them getting the ball out of the double team. Like he's got to get the ball moving quickly. If he if ball sticks in his hands too long, that's where those turnovers are coming from and things like that. And that's, that's where those issues end up showing up so brightly. So I think it's very important for Mitchell really when, when they swarm him, get off the ball quickly, even if it's get off the ball quickly and come back to it, but you got to get out the first step, got to get it out quick out of the double team and then let the play play out. It, it It's weird to think of like your team's best player, best offensive player as an X factor in the series, but he feels like an X factor in the sense, not just because of the health, but because of something Seth and I have batted around uh, a ton on other shows this year, which is this like nuclear weapon that he's busted out in the postseason before. And when you have that kind of like hit or miss level where just take his games against Dallas this season, um, he had two 33 point games at home against Dallas, both wins, big numbers, big scoring. The jazz offense is doing its thing and flowing and knocking down shots. And then the two games in Dallas, he was four for 13 in one game, five for 19 in the other game. And so it's like, this kind of boom or bust offense, the the degree to which he can either upshift the Jazz offense into this really genuinely like historically good offensive machine where they're just mowing through people with their three-point shooters, or, hey, you take away that advantage he creates at the point of attack, his jumper isn't falling, um, especially if the shot selection gets too loose into hero ball mode, then the whole thing kind of falls apart a little bit. So th- that's that's kind of how I view this series with him. So who's going to win it, guys? Because this one, is, I mean, it's a toss-up, and it's so much about Luka. I don't see the way the, the Mavs can win this series if Luka's not playing. And I don't know when he's coming back. Like, that's just off of one game. It's not enough right there. So I think the – for me, it's it's. I think he's going to miss more than one game. I just – and listen, if they win without Luca, yo, Utah, you belong to the state of Texas now. Like it's over. <laughs> like that's like you you can't. What are you doing at that point, right? Like you just that whole team, all of them got to go. Yeah, no, this is it's. It, it, I think we've all sort of alluded to the degree of added pressure that this puts on the Jazz because it's like, well, the other team was missing their best player by far. And you still, whatever happened, happens. Like, for a team that's already shown a lot of fissures, if we're going to be generous this this year, um, like, that's, I don't think we can discount that and say, yes, you could look at it, like, just on paper, context-free and say, well, with the players available, Utah should out-talent them and be able to win pretty easily. But I think, you know, I don't know if I'm, you know, if I'm psychoanalyzing too much, but it does seem like Utah has to get out of their own way first for that to happen. Yeah, I don't. I mean, they haven't made many changes. That's the thing. That's part of the like, problem. They didn't, they didn't fix the glaring weaknesses, which is point of attack defense, wing defense. You know, I like Royce O'Neal, but there was room for upgrade, and and they haven't been able to do it. And uh, is Rudy Gobert just going to be shopping for real estate in Dallas while he's out here, or what? Uh, I mean, he might be commuting between. Dallas and and uh, the Raleigh area, you know, research <laughs> triangle. So, uh, another another team like another team that uh, I think just demonstrated the they, how they could use a uh, a defense unto himself center. 
So can you guys see Utah winning this series, or are you just completely? Oh, definitely. No, 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 hundred percent. I, I, th- that offense it, when it's clicking, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to compete with, and if they are unable to maximize the opportunities that they are going to get because of the way that Utah is forced to play defense because they only have one guy that can do it. If they can take advantage of that, then, you know, Dallas can win, but they have to take advantage of it. And part of that's going to be, can Maxi actually make shots, which he has not done? And is Dinwiddie and Brunson, is that enough creation on the ball to actually make Utah pay for the defense that they are forced to play because their players are bad? That's the question. I think I honestly, if Luca plays at least is 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 able is available for five games or more of this series, I think Dallas wins, or fewer than five if it takes them fewer than that. But like I think By basically if yeah, well game three or he's well the other thing that could happen he comes back in game three and then all of a sudden has to exit again with a recurrence in in game five. So that's the uh, the other end. So I'm thinking that yeah. Like if he's if he's ready by game three and stays healthy the rest of the series, I have a hard time seeing Dallas losing here. Mo, you you on the same page here? If Utah if if Luca's missing the first two games, Utah has to win this series. Plain and simple. Like there's no excuse. They got to win those two games in Dallas without without Luca. That's a gift for them, and I think that's going to be the big thing for them. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, anything else as we wrap up here on the, the first round of the playoffs, guys? Uh, Shams just dropped a tweet that Ben Simmons is targeting games four, either somewhere between game four and six to to make his season debut. Season might be <laughs> over before then, but good luck. <laughs> I, I can't imagine Brooklyn's going to get swept. Uh, they're going to do the who Eastern the, Conference. Uh, who was the last player to make their season debut in a post in the postseason? I have no idea. I feel like Ben's going to know this, though. It feels like it has to be a veteran, right, that was, like, signed late? Or, you, you don't know? No, I believe it was uh, uh, someone called John Holland for the Boston Celtics. Uh, he's a guy who was signed right at the end of the year and then didn't play at all in the regular season and, and showed up in a couple playoff games. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, I, incredibly well, useless knowledge. More. Um, find out. Saturday on the Slam and Jam because they're going to do the Eastern Conference preview. Um, this was the West, guys. This was fun. I, I think that uh, we all kind of agree that there's a little bit of chaos, but Phoenix feels pretty solid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Phoenix is going to make a run here. Uh, for Seth and Mo, thanks to Ben Taylor for being on the show. I am Dave DeFore. Everybody go and check out Thinking Basketball on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. Keep locked into the Athletic NBA show. The playoffs start in a couple of days and we're going to be here just like we've been all year long. So keep it locked in. Thank you guys. Have a great week. We'll be back next week with another episode of Nerder She Wrote. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host Dave DeFore with Mo DeKeel. Seth Partnow. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow.
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.